The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. You are listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. You know, March Madness is all around us with the coronavirus. I mean, presently, Americans are worried about their health, but now... We have to think about the economy, and I'm no different than anybody, than any of you, but now is the time that I really rely on my pets. I'm keeping myself calm and grounded by enjoying my time with my pets, by doing a little walking, by little doing, by doing a lot of training and lots and lots of petting, um, just to give me a little break from all the craziness on the news. So what are you guys doing? Are you spending more time with your pets? So if you are, do some, do some productive stuff, like get some exercise, do some training, get a training video, or just go online and find some tips. Maybe it's a good time to teach them some tricks. So let us know what you guys are doing. We want you to share so that the whole Pet Buzz community can find out what we're doing during this crazy time and how our pets can help us. But now let's kick off the show with the countdown. And I'm going to start out with a big four. In segment four, learn more about caring for geriatric pets with Dr. Albert Ahn of Orangetown Animal Hospital. You know, older pets have mobility issues due to arthritis, but also degenerative muscle mass. So learn more about this in segment four. This is a segment not to be missed if you have an older pet. Now in segment three, Dr. Jeff Werber is here with us discussing the pros and cons of veterinary telemedicine. Veterinary telemedicine is definitely changing the future of our pet's health. In segment two, celebrity pet gossip focuses on Justin Bieber, the Biebs, and his new Savannah cat, Sushi. Well, Sushi's not so new anymore. Sushi's gone missing. So learn about what's going on in the Bieber Baldwin house with their pets. And then we also have Flex Facts, which you can't miss. Although the center of disease control and prevention noted that there have been no reports of animals being infected in the U.S. Many American pet owners have questions. So joining us today to discuss our pet owning concerns about coronavirus are Dr. Lori M. Teller, clinical associate professor in the Department of Small Animal Clinical Sciences at Texas A&M University, College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences, and Dr. Wesley Bissett, Associate Professor and Director of the Veterinary Emergency Team, also from Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine and Biochemical Sciences. Dr. Teller and Dr. Bissett, thank you so much for being with us on the Pet Buzz today. Very glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Very happy to be here. Let's start with you, Dr. Teller. It appears there's a shortage on the N95 mask throughout the United States, And in China, we have seen dogs and cats wearing masks when out in public. Is this something that we can expect, especially in urban city environments in the U.S.? It certainly would not surprise me if we saw it, but I think it's important for people to know that it is not an effective way of preventing 
coronavirus in our pets or in people. Uh, the masks do not fit these animals well. Animals are not carriers of the disease. Makes for a great photo op, but does nothing to help prevent coronavirus from being spread. So glad you cleared that up, doctor, because it's something that people are starting to come into Dr. Fleck's practice and say, should the dog wear a mask? Right, Dr. Fleck? <laughs> Some of them come in with masks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, Dr. Bissett, social distancing measures are taken to restrict when and where people can gather to stop or, or slow the spread of the infectious disease. Should dog owners, especially seniors, engage in social distancing when walking their dogs? And should they also avoid the dog park where larger groups of dogs and people gather together? I think social distancing is, uh, you know, it's a foundational safety measure as we get through this. And so I think it's a good idea to practice that. Uh, With that said, I don't think people should be afraid to go out and and walk their dogs. Uh, Just when they meet people, maintain some distance, don't shake hands, that sort of thing. Uh, if the dog park is crowded, do the same thing. Kind of stay away uh, from those areas where there are lots of people gathering. That's that's the safest way to uh, to get through this. Just a lot of common sense. Great presentation. So, Dr. Teller, presently there are reports that people are stocking up on food and other staples like toilet paper, and of course that's causing some shortages of necessities throughout the world. Do you think we need to stock up on pet supplies like food, treats? vitamin supplements until the virus runs its course? So it's a great question. There's not really a reason to stock up unless you think that you or somebody in your household may be quarantined and then you won't have access to these products. So it's always a good idea to have a couple of weeks supply of food and treats and certainly any medications that your pet may be taking. So from that standpoint, of course, but if you're in a low-risk area, just make sure that you, you have enough to get through the next couple of weeks. Okay. Dr. Brissett, in late February, Hong Kong's Agricultural Fisheries and Conservation Department reported that a pet dog, a Pomeranian who was 19 years of age, had returned a weak positive result for the virus. Eventually, the Hong Kong authorities said the result could be caused by environmental contamination. In other words, the dog could be picking up traces of the virus in the same way an inanimate object might. But later that week, authorities issued a new statement that the dog had since tested two more times using nasal and oral cavity samples, returning positive tests. Like humans, do you think that this dog was more susceptible to the virus because he was a senior dog? Well, I think I think the first thing is that, you, you know, yes, we've had this one case where that information has come out, um, but at this point, animals have not been shown to be uh, to play a, a significant role in this, either from the perspective of getting sick, catching the virus, or transmitting it. It is a new virus, in a sense, so we've got we've got more to learn. But I think at this point, I think we would know if if they were a significant part of the issue. Uh, with that said, I think senior dogs, just like senior people, are more susceptible, particularly to any viruses. That's a general statement. They're more susceptible to infectious disease, particularly as they have any underlying health conditions. Thank you. So, Dr. Teller, since this is a flu season and coronavirus symptoms mimic the flu, and we believe the coronavirus spreads through physical contact, do you think we need to be careful, and this is a family question, really, uh, sleeping, sure. hugging, kissing our four-legged family members? 
Certainly, if anyone in the household is showing signs of the flu, upper respiratory symptoms, acting ill, then they should limit their contact with the pets. If everyone in the household is happy, healthy, and has not been exposed to other people that have the flu or potentially coronavirus, then I would suggest keep snuggling away. Just use the common sense. If somebody is sick, try avoid the snuggling. But if everyone is healthy and feeling good, then keep living your normal life. You know, I think that's a really good point because I think there is so much information on television. We see it, whether you watch, you know, Fox or you watch CNN, and they're really just talking about human contact. They're not really talking about animals. Well, thank you so much for both being here. We totally appreciate you having having you here, Dr. Teller, and here, Dr. Brissett. For more information, where can we reach you guys? I can be reached at Texas A&M. And for more information on coronavirus, you can visit avma.org backslash coronavirus. Great. And you, Dr. Bissett? I can also be reached here at Texas A&M. And again, the AVMA, CDC, those are great places for information. Well, just thank you so much for providing all this information. I know all the pet owners are becoming very anxious, and this should help at least start giving them information to quell their anxiety. Exactly. So thank you so much for both being here. We're going to take a commercial break and be back in a flash. Up next, I'm going to fill you in on some of the hottest celebrity gossip. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look. I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. (laughs) Oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed, and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrodologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. So here is the celebrity pet news. Pet problemas. Have you noticed that Justin Bieber is always having problems with his pets? So let's take a little review. In 2011, there was Johnson, the baby albino boa that Justin brought with him to the 2011 MTV Video Music Awards, which was later auctioned off at a charity event a few months later. I don't know, Justin. Not many people auction off their pets. Well, in 2012, we can't forget how the Bieber gave a hamster named Pack to one of his fans following his performance at a concert in Atlanta. Well, don't laugh when I tell you this, but the California Hamster Association considered his gifting of the rodent as animal cruelty. Basically, he handed the hamster to a screaming fan during one of his concerts. The association reminded us that hamsters are delicate creatures that can succumb quickly to illness and death. Oh, and the monkey. Do you remember the monkey? Well, in 2013, it was the Beebs attempt to bring Mally, the cappuccine monkey he received as a gift for his 19th birthday, into Germany where he was on tour, but he couldn't produce the proper paperwork for the animal. So he forfeited the animal with the authorities. He left the, the monkey at the airport. Mally was later transferred to a shelter in Munich and eventually placed with a monkey family. And now... We have Sushi. She's one of his Savannah cats. They're Sushi and Tuna. Sushi went missing about a month ago, and she was found last Thursday by former network star and ex of New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo. That's the one and only Sandra Lee. Lee found Sushi wandering in her yard and on Thursday night called the number on the collar, having no idea the furry feline belonged to the singer. And Sushi the cat was hanging around the Hollywood Hills where there's lots of uh, crazy creatures, a lot of wildlife. She's lucky she's still alive. Okay, so, hmm, perhaps it's time for Justin to become a responsible pet owner. What do you think? I mean, we're talking more than a tracker. I mean, every single year these incidents have gone on. So does Bieber really need another pet? Come on, Justin, you got to get with it. And now what you guys have been waiting for, flex facts. Now, your pet is part of your family, but your dog or cat can't complain. So how do you know when to seek medical help? Today on Flex Facts, Dr. Fleck is going to review warning signs when you should take Fido or Felix to the veterinarian. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. It's going to take long. You got the time. So, Dr. Fleck, I'm going to ask you, should you be worried if your animal skips a meal or two? No, probably not if it skips a meal or two. But let's take a step back. We need to talk about cats versus the canine or the dog. Okay. Um, Because cats really hide diseases a lot more than what dogs do. Generally speaking, they're more social with us and their behavior is more recognizable. Mm-hmm. But cats can hide their illness. So as a beginning of this, I would just say that if you start noticing problems with your cat, instantly that's when you should go to the vet. Okay. With the dog, you can possibly wait depending upon what the behavior 
and conditions are. You know, I think it's interesting because occasionally our dogs will miss a meal if it's really hot. Morrow's a picky eater, sometimes our nine-pound dog. You know, he might not eat. Now, if our nine-pound dog misses a meal, then I get a little worried because he likes to eat. But, you know, on hot days, but I think if you miss more than two meals, it's maybe a good indication. certainly. And especially when people try to give treats along with that, that they know they love and they don't take the treats, that might be a good warning sign. Yeah, I think that's great. Okay, so we have a lot of overweight dogs these days. And I think uh, that could lead to like diabetes and a bunch of other things. So what if we see a dog that's got a uh, excessive thirst? If it's got excessive thirst, you, you just mentioned one of the big diseases that, uh-huh. that we talk about with excessive thirst and urination, and that would be diabetes. But, you know, that could also be another kidney problem, too. Right. And kidney disease is something that's progressive and happens with our pets. And always remember, our pets are living longer just like we're living longer. So what kind of diseases do we express? Kidney diseases, pancreatic diseases, diabetes, et cetera, mm-hmm. as we mature. So those are all warning signs as they mature. And then probably a good response is if your pet acts a little bit uh, with behavior that's not normal as we're aging, that would certainly be an indication that Okay, so you if you find yourself, that. you're mm-hmm. refilling the water bowl a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Probably an excessive amount of urination. Or if you're empty the kitty box. The litter box. And he needs to go outside more or he's having accidents in the house that he's never had before. Right. It's time to go to the vet. If you've just joined us, this segment of the Pet Buzz is called Flex Facts. And we're talking to veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck, my co-host and partner in life, about when it's time to take your pet to the vet. Okay, so let's talk about sudden weight loss, because I think that comes up a lot. So most pets these days, as we said, are totally overweight. They're little fatties, like a lot of us Americans. But what if our pets really start to lose weight? Should we be happy that he's getting slim and thin, or should we kind of panic? Well, you know, as as we age, as people, sometimes we put on weight, and sometimes we lose weight. So some of that may be a normal experience. But Mm -hmm. if you start seeing excessive loss of weight, would you say 10% yeah, of body weight? Yeah, I'd say weight? 10% okay. that I start becoming a little bit concerned. Um, but there's so many variables that could cause that. Mm-hmm. So that's why veterinarians are encouraging, for example, wellness blood tests every year. Okay. After the pet is 8, 9, yeah. 10 years old. And especially if you have a smaller dog, you know, like we said, we just mentioned Wally's 9 pounds. If he lost 10% of his body weight, that would definitely show on him. And make sure that if you're doing the wellness test that... You're getting things like thyroid testing because that changes with time. And does that change with weight as well? And that'll change with weight okay. as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about if, uh, lastly, if you have a sluggish and all of a sudden really tired pet, he's lethargic. He's again, we could go back to a whole variety of different types of problems that exist. And it might even be normal just as they're aging and they, Want to slow down some? Could because of the weather. It's getting warmer. And it's getting warmer. If we lived in the north, mm-hmm. if it was getting colder, they sometimes want to sleep more too. Right. So, yes, the weather has has a, a factor on it. But I think the aging is the biggest normal experience that one might have. Yeah, and also, not- right, I would think if also, like, if it's getting hot, you know, I know because I have an arthritic knee. If it's getting hot. You know, sometimes they might not be as active as they used to be. Maybe they have a pulled muscle or they don't want to go out for walks. That's, I think, would be a sign. If you have a a normally active dog 
who after a few days doesn't want to go outside. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want to go outside and, and you notice some patterns just changing behavior-wise, it's not bad to go ahead and, and visit with your veterinarian and have that conversation and see if there is something that may be moving in a bad direction. Well, you know, these are great tips and really something to think about. But, Dr. Fleck, I know that you have some more, and we really need to wrap this segment up, but... I would say one other thing. Okay. Always err on the safe side. I like that. That's good. Always err on the safe side. So so forearmed is forewarned. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to put some of your other um, tips about taking your pet to the vet on our social media channels at the Pet Buzz. I think that's going to be great. More of the Pet Buzz very soon. I bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the Week. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. So let's kick off this segment, segment three, with my I like me of the week. That's the way it has to be because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I like it so much. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. Which is by sculptor Susan Norris. Norris's newest statue is a life-size bronze sculpture of a military dog wearing a purple heart, mourning the loss of its two-legged companion. The sculpture is entitled, My Hero, My Friend, is meant to honor the bravery and dedication of a military service dog to its human handler, tugging at the heartstrings of the passerby. You know, military working dogs have gone by all manner of moniker throughout the U.S. military history, including canine corps and war dogs. In various combat eras, they served as guards, messengers, mascots, and scouts, according to the Army Book on Military Veterinary Services. This sculpture is going to reside at the Veterans Memorial Park in Trophy Club, Texas, inside Dallas-Fort Worth, Metroplex. It's a great statue. I'm going to post a picture on our social media channels so you can check it out. And if you living in Dallas, residing in Dallas, or you are in Dallas for a short stay or even a vacation visiting family, go check this gorgeous, this beautiful statue that honors our military working dogs. And if you don't know, yesterday was Canine Veterans Day. So this is a great way to honor our working dogs. 
Telemedicine refers to the practice of caring for patients remotely when the provider and patient are not physically present with each other. Modern technology has enabled doctors to consult patients by using video conferencing tools. Well, joining us today to talk about veterinary telemedicine is veterinarian Dr. Jeff Werber. So, you know, I love talking to you, Dr. Jeff, because you're always ahead of the curve. Try to be ahead of the curve because I always want to see, you know, what I look at the human side and, you know, what is hot on the human side. We need to do this on the veterinary side, too. No, absolutely. Okay. So let's talk telemedicine. So what's the use of telemedicine? Well, interestingly, you know, it's, it's like a, a new term, but it really isn't. When you think about it, you know, every time a veterinarian would take a call or call a client back, receptionist gives them a message, Mr. Smith calls. And, you know, after this day, he's five o'clock, he sits down with his messages and starts calling people. That's telemedicine. When you had your, your, um, your radiology reports read by a, a, probably a radiologist sitting on the beach in Maui, and he's giving you a report of radiology, of x-rays that he took a look at, that's telemedicine. The truth is that, you know, telemedicine, it, it gives the simple, the simple question if I were to ask any veterinarian, do you think or would you like that your clients and patients should have access to care 24-7. I would hope everyone said yes. Now, Doc, would you like to be the one giving that care? They go, oh, it's not so fast. I mean, I got a life. I got kids. I got grandkids. So what what we wanted to do was create that vibe where a caller, a, a pet parent, can have the access 24-7, but with a veterinarian that live FaceTime video chat, instead of panicking, going to Dr. Google, going hopping in the car and going to the emergency, you don't realize that 80% of emergencies aren't. And if that caller, that pet parent, whatever time, 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, you know, 11 p.m., had someone to talk to, that most likely would not have to run to an emergency clinic. So we wanted to provide what we call that level of concierge care, 24 Okay, we like that. Okay, so from what I understand at one point, the American Veterinary Medical Association wasn't so groove in telemedicine, but it seems like they've changed their policy, correct? Well, what happened was this. The, the issue is on the human side, believe it or not, MDs can do more in telemedicine than a veterinarian can because mm-hmm. we have something called a VCPR, a veterinary client-patient relationship, in order to talk, have that chat with a client, hopefully in video chat, and the patient, then if you have that a relationship with that patient, you've seen them within a year, you've had a hands-on exam within a year, you have access to the medical records, you can actually practice medicine. You can diagnose, you can treat, you can prescribe, etc. Now, if I take a call from, say, someone um, in, in uh, Florida where I don't, I've never seen before, I can't actually practice what we call telemedicine, but I can what we call telehealth or teletriage or okay. teleadvice. I can guide them, but hopefully give them enough information to make a, a good decision as to what to do next. Okay, because followers of the show would remember probably three or four years ago, we had a case with a veterinarian in Brown, Texas, and he had a yes. little problem. You remember what I'm talking about? Funny, Absolutely. Believe it or not, Absolutely. you're not going to believe this. Believe it or not, we're talking to him and his lawyer from the ACLU or the Animal Legal Defense Fund or wherever it was. And that veterinarian actually worked for Dr. Fleck while he lived and practiced in Guam. How about that for a coincidence, Dr. Jeff? That is, that is really coincidental. And, um, you know, but interesting, that was, he was above, ahead of the curve. And I think that now, interestingly, there are some states, about five states now, 
that would allow the relationship between a client and veterinarian can be established using telemedicine. So as long as they have access to the medical records, Mm -hmm. and now many of the telemedicine platforms are have something called API or PIMS, where they can actually access the medical records, uh, then some of those states, five of them now, and I think over time you're going to see more and more, are going to allow the establishment of that VCPR without ever having touched the animal. Okay. So now you've recently started this telemedicine practice. What's it called so we know? Uh, our medicine, the telemedicine is called AIRVET, A-I-R-V-E-T, and we're very unique in that we uh, we are not only working with hospitals, we work with consumers, but we also try to, to channel the call. We have a system where if a caller calls and their vet is registered, their call will be linked to their own veterinarian. If their veterinarian happens not to be on at that time, the veterinarians can sign on or off like Uber drivers. Then it will go <laughs> to one of the associates if they're on. If none of the associates are on, the doctor, the home doctor is not on, we call the primary doctor, then the call will go out to the air vet space, but we will not match a caller with a veterinarian within 50 miles of their own practice because we do not want poaching. The okay. job of the air vet vet is simply to become an extension of the caller's regular practice. Well, once again, Dr. Jeff, you've thought of everything. Okay, so who I can, my best. So who can, <laughs> who can use telemedicine? When we're talking about veterinary care, is it just veterinarians? Is it specialists? Like everything, everything along the line. We interestingly, we work with a, a, a group called Compassion First. It's a chain of specialty hospitals. And there was a dentist and he was a veterinary dentist at one of the hospitals in New Jersey called Red Bank. And interestingly, um, the, their business, their clothes of, of what we call calls from the consumers who've been referred to the dentist were up 60% because they could actually have a FaceTime real call with the um, with the veterinarian who was able to explain things to them and they liked the veterinarian and said, you know what, Doc, I want to make an appointment. Right. And believe it or not, I know exactly who you're talking about, Red Bank Veterinarian right. in New Jersey. Sure. Because there's correct. not a lot of veterinary dentists. So Right, correct. So what we find is and you know, the average, this is going to blow your mind when we think of our people and how crazy they are about their pets. The average client, pet parent, sees their veterinarian only 1.6 times a year. And the average length of the appointment is 20 minutes. That is 32 minutes a year. That's not a lot of touch points to make sure that you have a good relationship with your vet. So what happens is more, many, many more people, especially millennials, are going to Dr. Google even before they're going to call their own veterinarian. And that is so dangerous. Exactly. Very dangerous. So we're encouraging pet parents to use a telemedicine platform. Of course, ours is the best, but something where you can actually consult with a real licensed veterinarian to answer your questions. And if your veterinary hospital happens to be on the program, on the platform, then you'll actually talk to your own vet. Great. Well, such great advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeff, for really enlightening us about veterinary telemedicine. So, well, thanks for having me, and I would love more people to learn more about it and sign up for AirVet. You'll be glad you did. It doesn't cost anything to sign up. That was Emmy Award-winning, nationally renowned veterinarian Dr. Jeff Werber talking to us about how veterinary telemedicine is changing the future of pet health care. Up next, Global Pet News. 
You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I want to be a contender. I want a warm belly to sleep on. A big house. How do I look? Do, do I look good? I want to play hard. My nails done once a month. I want. I want. I want a home. I just want a home. I want someone to love. Last year, more than 30,000 companion animals came to us without homes. 20,000 of them were felines. Let's make some homes. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We're urban. Suburban. And and country. country. Let's talk some global pet news. And now, pet buzz news from around the globe. It's a story that takes place in Michigan, and I have a purpose for telling you guys this story. So Chris Gibson met Simba back in early March, March 5th to be exact, when she let her dog out of the back door of her Mount Morris Township, that's a Michigan home, and saw this very gentle Presa Canaria, or Canary Mastiff, which is native to the Spanish Canary Islands. She lured him into the backyard using a bag of treats. And then after a day or so, she took him to her animal hospital to have him scan for a mycotrip. Well, she was really surprised when she found out that Simba's owner lived in Florida. So while Chris Gibson and the animal staff don't know how Simba got from Florida to Michigan, now the owner told them that Simba was in the yard when he went missing. So obviously he was probably stolen. But all parties believe that a canine thief most likely wanted to sell him because these dogs cost thousands of dollars. So right now, all parties concerned on working with the nonprofit organization Pilots and Paws to find him a flight back to Florida. So I'm telling you this story for two reasons. Simba's unlikely reconnection with his family might never happen without his microchip, which was great and kept up to date with the owner's phone number. So that's really important. So if your dog is microchipped, make sure that your microchip directory, and I've told you guys this a million times, make sure your current cell phone number is on that microchip number. Very, very key to getting your dog back. A lot of dogs go have gone missing, but they don't come back to their owners because they don't have updated phone numbers. Okay. The other reason is because as the weather gets warm, we have a tendency to want our dogs to go out more in the yard and play and get some fresh air. But I'm telling you, please do not leave your dog unsupervised in the yard alone. It's key. Okay. And the reason I'm telling this, because obviously like with Simba's story, somebody could steal him or he can get taken away from wildlife. There was a story a few weeks ago about a bald eagle who took away a poodle. It happened to a friend of mine. Her small poodle was out in the yard and a coyote came right by, flashed the pants, took the dog. She never saw him again. And I got to tell you, I shed a lot of tears for that dog because I loved him very much. His name was Hawker and he had gone missing in Colorado. But my advice is if you're going to have your dog out in the yard, like I do, you're going to have tall fences so no one can look in. 
lock the gates and make sure you have video surveillance. That helps a lot. Better yet, really, take your dog out in the great outdoors and give him an adventure walk. You know, an adventure walk can be 15 minutes, but he gets to see the sights and the sounds of the neighborhood. Okay, so most important thing, like we always say, we're here to help you take better care of your health and your pet. So remember that microchip and do whatever you can to keep them safe. Well, pets are living longer than ever before, likely a result of improved veterinary care and dietary habits. Today, 50% of the approximate 80 million dogs in this country are over the age of seven. That's a high number. So this amounts to over 40 million seniors or geriatric dogs living in the United States. Can you believe those numbers, Dr. Flack? No, that's an incredible number. So joining us today to talk about how to care for senior or geriatric dogs is Dr. Albert Ahn of the Orangetown Animal Hospital in New York, a respected veterinary advisor and spokesperson in the animal health industry. So nice to have you here with us, Dr. Hahn. Thank you so much for having me. So I have my first question is, let's talk about age-related conditions that have to do with senior pets. So what kind of age-related conditions do senior pets have to deal with? Or I guess we, we have to deal with them, too, since they're our beloved four-legged family members. Absolutely. And uh, just like us, these uh, senior or geriatric dogs uh, face a whole new set of age-related conditions, including things such as muscle loss, arthritis, orthopedic injuries, orthopedic issues, uh, as well as decreased mobility or reduced exercise ability. So let's talk about caring for senior dogs because we have two senior dogs. We have Ty and Thames, both English toy spaniels. Ty is what, 13? Thames is about 14 or 15. So, you know, share some tips with us. What do we have to, what do we have to be aware of? So when you're caring for geriatric dogs, you want to make sure that they are not gaining too much weight. But there's also the flip side. You want to make sure that there isn't some insidious reason for them to be losing weight. You want to make sure they have a good exercise program. I like to recommend that senior pets get to the veterinarian at least twice a year. And in some cases, uh, if a pet has a serious underlying medical condition, they may wind up going to the veterinarian several times a year, depending upon how frequently uh, they need to be reevaluated. Well, I, I echo that recommendation. It's just so relevant, particularly with our pets that have, you know, arthritic or, or lameness problems as they age or with the heart issues. It's really important for us to help the pet owner be able to monitor that pet to give it a quality of life for as long as we can. So totally agree with you, doctor. So what innovative products can we find that can help us alleviate age-related issues with pets? One of the new products that I'm particularly excited about is a product that contains a bioactive material made from fertilized egg yolks and has been clinically proven to help rebuild lean muscle, particularly in older dogs. Uh, this product is made by Myos Renz, and the name of the product is called Fortitropin. And by using a product like canine muscle formula from Myos Renz, we can reverse the loss of that muscle 
and by helping to maintain good muscle health in our older patients, we're going to also help them be able to walk longer for a longer period of time and generally maintain better overall health. And I would think posture too, right, Dr. Fleck? Because think of Thames, for example. You know, his his back legs are a little weak, so he seems like he's always kind of curved over, right? <laughs> I have to laugh because I think of myself as well as Thames and the other aging pets. We get kind of bow-legged, don't we, in back? Well, you're mm. kind of old, Dr. Fleck. Oh, so. I forgot about that, yeah. You know, I think it's important. I'm glad we talked about these products because so many times we offer advice, but when people are looking for an over-the-counter or a product in the pet store, they don't really know what to get. So let's talk about some other products that can help us, like, alleviate age um, related issues. I mean, for example, I have a friend and you know, my friend who has Kathy, who is the great Dane Callen, you know, Mm -hmm. I've used him on Fox and friends a few times. So what else do you recommend something similar like to that? Well, from my perspective, helping to maintain good mobility Mm -hmm. in older dogs is critically important. So when you look at the joints, particularly with arthritic dogs, helping to maintain good joint health is as important as maintaining good muscle health. So supplements such as glucosamine, as well as chondroitin, and also fish oil can help to promote good joint health in conjunction with uh, maintaining good muscle health with the canine muscle formula product. Well, Dr. On, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, folks. I really appreciate it. So to learn more about Dr. On, you want to check out the Orangetown Animal Hospital in Rockville County, New York. And to learn more about Fortitropin, visit myosrens.com. Hey, before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. Obviously, we're going to be still talking about coronavirus. We're also going to be talking about where cats actually go when they get out of the house. So we want to thank our special guest. Dr. Lori Heller from Texas A&M University, and of course, Dr. Wes Bentley, also from Texas A&M, or TAMU. Big shout out to Dr. Jeff Werber from AirVet, and of course, Dr. Albert Ahn, talking about geriatric pets. So we thank you so much for uh, being our guest today. And of course, we always want to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Now, here's the thing, guys. I say this every week, and I wish you would actually write to me. If you have a question, write us at teamatthepetbuzz.com. If you have a comment, write us at the teamatthepetbuzz.com. If you want to send a picture of your pet, send it to teamatthepetbuzz.com, and we're going to cover it on next week's show. I want to remind you we've got this great new newsletter coming out. Sign up at newsletteratthepetbuzz.com. We want to keep you abreast of what Dr. Fleck and I are doing. And of course, if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. So most importantly, remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.